tonight continues our one word series and we've been talking about uh, mostly the steps of the plan of salvation and we've talked about uh, recently faith and repentance and confession and tonight's lesson is on the subject of baptism and of course we know that this is something that is very important and especially for those of us that were raised in the churches of Christ we know it's a very important subject from that aspect of it because that's what we teach. And sometimes we're criticized for teaching too much on baptism, although I don't know that there is such a thing. But baptism is important, and we're going to talk about tonight what baptism is, and we're also going to talk about what it means and what it should mean to us as Christians and how we can apply it to our lives. We first begin with the word baptism. What is baptism? Baptism into Christ is defined as an immersion, a burial. There are some that define it in other ways. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the word baptism is more of a, a transliteration than a translation from the Greek word baptizo. And if I understand it and if I explain it correctly, uh, transliteration basically would mean it wasn't translated in uh, from another English word, but it was transliterated from the word that it came from and basically created a new word. And it makes it a little, uh, a little more confusing at times, but basically it is an immersion. It is a burial. And that's how we would define what baptism is. In, in defining what baptism is, it's also important to define what baptism is not. It is not a sprinkling. It is not a pouring. And we see that in Scripture even, that we see evidence that speaks against sprinkling and pouring as baptism. Now, how do I know this? Well, let's look at the Scriptures and see what they have to say. First of all, might ask a question. Why was John baptizing at Anon near Salem? In John 3, in verse 23, John 3, in verse 23, says, Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem. Why? Because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. Now just looking at the reason for John baptizing where he was, it was because there was much water there. And that tells me that when he was baptizing, he was doing much more than just sprinkling water or pouring water on someone's head. It was immersion baptism. We also might ask, why was the unit baptized? while studying with Philip, where he was. In Acts 8, and beginning with verse 36, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And in verse 38, So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. That tells me that the eunuch's baptism was more than sprinkling or pouring. It was immersion 
baptism. He was baptized because they found water. A significant amount of water. Enough water for the eunuch to be baptized in. And the eunuch knew what he needed to do to be saved. Philip had taught him about Jesus, about Christ. And in that teaching, we don't know exactly what he said, but included was baptism. And we see that the eunuch was baptized for the remission of his sins. In Colossians 2, verse 12. We're looking at verses 11 and 12. Colossians 2, verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Baptism signifies a burial. We are buried with him in baptism. Sprinkling and pouring do not signify a burial of any sort. So, in understanding what baptism is, from a scriptural standpoint, we see that baptism is immersion. And it is only defined as immersion in scripture. Jesus was baptized by John as an example for us. If we truly want to follow the example of Christ, we too will willingly submit to baptism. A burial in water in order to receive the remission of our sins, as according to Acts 2 and verse 38. One cannot truly follow the example of Christ without being baptized. And so it is important for us in that regard. Our lesson objectives for tonight are, first of all, for those who have become Christians, to fully understand what we have done to become Christians so that we can share this message with the lost. It's important that we know why we have been baptized. And believe it or not, I've talked to people, especially teenagers, who have been baptized and they really don't understand why. It's important that we understand why we are baptized and what its purpose is. And especially to make sure that we've been baptized for the right reason. And secondly... For those who may not be Christians, having never obeyed the gospel, to learn the meaning and necessity of baptism, and ultimately to do what is necessary in order to become a child of God. I want us to begin tonight by looking at some New Testament examples of conversion. In order to understand what baptism is, I think it is good for us to recognize the examples that are provided for us in the New Testament. We're not going to go through all of them, but we're going to hit some highlights, some of the more important ones maybe, that tell us the reason for baptism. We begin in Acts chapter 2. And some of these, I know we've looked at these in another lesson recently, so we won't go into too great a detail But I do want us to look at some of these scriptures together. 
the Jews on the day of Pentecost. The first real example that we have in Scripture of someone being baptized for the purpose of remission of sins. In Acts 2 and verse 37, following a very moving sermon, I guess you could call it, from Peter, it tells us that the Jews, and these are the same people, the ones that he was speaking to were some of the same ones that had put Jesus on the cross physically. That they had seen Jesus on the cross, they had crucified him. And so Peter speaks this sermon to them. And when it comes to a conclusion of sorts, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? It seems almost like Peter hadn't even, hadn't even finished his lesson because he continued on with many other words as we read in the next few verses. But they stopped and, and they stopped him and asked this question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. They were moved. They realized that they had done something wrong. And they needed to do something about it. And so they asked, what shall we do? And Peter's answer came to them in verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who's he speaking to? Again, he's speaking to Jews. Jews who had crucified Jesus. Let all of you, let every one of you be baptized. Every one of you who, who knows that you've done something wrong, who knows that you're in sin, let every one of you repent. Turn away from your sin and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that name is important too. It's important that we're not baptized in the name of, of someone else. Uh, Paul addresses that in the book of 1 Corinthians to some degree. But we're not baptized in, into the name of, of a congregation or a certain person, or maybe the one that is baptizing us. We're baptized into the name of Christ. And what is the purpose? Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And I fully believe it goes in just that order. That we repent. That we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And it is not until that point that we are able to have remission of our sins or forgiveness from our sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 41, we read that those who gladly received His Word were baptized. Those who accepted it, those who believed it, they were baptized. There was no question as to what they needed to do. They needed to be baptized and they understood that and so they were baptized for the remission of their sin. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. I would love to have been there to see how this was done exactly. 
3,000 something people that were baptized for the remission of their sins. And so we see the beginnings of the church. From Peter's sermon, they understood what they needed to do and they were willing to do it, submitting to the will of God in the form of baptism for the remission of sins. And so we see the importance of baptism here. Well, let's turn over a few pages to Acts chapter 8. Or if you like me, you can just flip in your iPad. But in Acts chapter 8, verse 36, you know, it is kind of funny. You know, we preachers, we often tell people, you know, the, the, the most beautiful sound is the sound of pages turning. We don't hear that as much anymore. And I'm guilty of it too, so I can't say anything. But Acts 8, in verse 36, here we read of the Ethiopian eunuch. I won't read the, the whole text, but here we find that, that Philip has come upon this eunuch and he, he's teaching him from the book of Isaiah. And from there, from the point where the eunuch was studying, he preached unto him Jesus. I, I've often been told in the school of preaching the importance uh, of taking someone from the point where they are. And that's exactly what Philip did. He took the eunuch from the point that he was studying in the book of Isaiah and he preached unto him Jesus. And again, we're not told exactly what was in Philip's message. But I think we have a very good idea of what was in his message based upon how the eunuch reacted. Let's go back to verse 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me? from being baptized. Somewhere in Philip's message was the necessity of baptism for the remission of sins. And so the eunuch asked him this question, well here's the water. What hinders me from being baptized? And in verse 37, then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Obedience begins with faith. And so it began in the eunuch with faith. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he confessed his faith. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And anyone that does not believe that has no reason to be baptized. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. For without faith it is impossible to please him. And in verse 38, So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. The eunuch was baptized for the remission of his sins. Upon realizing what was necessary for his salvation and and seeing the water through which it might be facilitated in front of them, the eunuch asked Philip what hindered him from being baptized. And Philip's reply, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he did, and he was. Let's look at one other example. That of Saul, who later became well known as Paul. 
In Acts chapter 22, this is Paul telling of his conversion. And in Acts 22, and picking up in verse 12, and we'll read through verse 16. Acts 22, verse 12. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me. And he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will, and see the just one, and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, if we go back to the beginnings of his conversion, we understand that he heard the voice of Christ. He saw a great light. And he was blinded by it. But in all of the things that he had experienced up to this point, and even though he had already been spoken to in the words of Christ, he had not been baptized for the remission of his sins. And he was not yet saved at the point that Ananias came to him. Now it was in his obedience through baptism that he called on the name of the Lord. And his sins were washed from him. There are many other examples of conversion. And it would take us a long time to go through all of them in one lesson. But I think we understand the purpose of baptism. I think we understand the meaning of it in the examples that we've looked at. We understand that it was necessary. It was so important that 3,000-something souls were baptized on the day of Pentecost. It, it was so important that, that they even interrupted Peter to ask him what they needed to do. It, it was so important that the eunuch, seeing water in front of them, he didn't hesitate, he didn't wait and, until he got where he was going. They stopped the chariot right there, and he was baptized for the remission of his sin. And it was so important that even after Paul had been spoken to by Christ, after he had heard the voice, he still wasn't saved. Even after everything that he had experienced, he still needed to be baptized for the remission of his sins. Baptism was important in each of these cases of conversion, and it was important in every case of conversion that we have in Scripture. And it's important for us also to recognize its importance. But having looked at all of these examples, we also need to understand its meaning. We have to understand what it really means to us to be baptized. Now there are several passages that we could look at, but we'll just look at one tonight. Let's begin reading in Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And we'll read through verse 11. Romans 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? 
Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Verse 8, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he, li he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is baptism? Those who have been baptized for the remission of sins have died to sin. And since we have died to sin, we, we have this baptism. It is a burial because we have died to sin. But there are several questions that we might ask in regard to this death. First of all, when exactly do we die to sin? Let's go back up to verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? When do we die when we are baptized into Christ Jesus. And when we are baptized into His death. One who is truly dead to sin must cease to remain in or to live in that sin. One who has died to sin can no longer continue in sin. One who is baptized must keep himself far away from the life of sin that he once lived. To begin this relationship with Christ, one must have faith that leads to repentance and ultimately to obedience to the plan of salvation. Uh, going back to a verse that I mentioned a moment ago, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes not will be condemned. Mark 16 and verse 16. One who believes is willing to obey. In repentance, in confession, and in baptism for the remission of sin. Once we know what God desires of us, 
it is very important that we obey Him. We can only be saved by the blood of Christ. But how do we come in contact with that cleansing blood? Through baptism for the remission of sins. Look at Romans chapter 5 for a moment. Romans chapter 5 and beginning with verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. In 1 Peter 1 and picking up with verse 17, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We are saved when coming in contact with the blood of Christ. And how do we come in contact with that blood other than through baptism? And as we look at Romans chapter 6, we're also reminded that he's not just talking about the burial of Christ, but we are buried with Christ in baptism. It's not just about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but it's also about our own death, burial, and resurrection. We have buried the old man, if you will. The, the, the old person that we once were, the one that, that, that once lived in sin, is now buried. He is dead and buried. We are a new creation. We are something different than what we once were. We are risen from baptism to walk in the newness of life. Cleansed by the blood of Christ. We are no longer slaves of sin because we have buried the old man who was, who was a slave to sin. We are now freed from our former bondage to sin. Though once we had no choice but to remain in sin because we did not have our sins taken from us. We no longer live in bondage of sin. Now we can choose victory. Through the blood of Christ. We talked about temptation this morning. And we can choose to be victorious over our temptations. That's our choice to make. Once we have been baptized for the remission of our sins, we are living in Christ. And it is our choice of whether or not to remain faithful. But we are no longer slaves to sin if we have died to sin. In Romans 6 and looking at verses 18 and 19. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And whereas once death had dominion over our lives, Christ provides us victory over death. 
As he was victorious over death, he also gives us victory over death through him. For the Christian, death has become a transition from this life into eternity. An eternity of reward. An eternity with God and with Christ. Death doesn't have the significance that it once did when we lived in sin. Death is not the end for a Christian. It's only the beginning. There's a song that we sing that asks a question. What can wash away my sin? And the answer is nothing but the blood of Jesus. The question comes to us though, how do we come in contact with that blood? And I think we've answered that very well in this lesson. We come in contact with the blood through baptism. And it is through our obedience that baptism saves us from our sins. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and beginning with verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh but made alive by the Spirit. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Who formerly were disobedient. When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, or as the King James puts it, a like figure, which now saves us, and that is baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience Toward God. Baptism is not about cleansing the outward man. It's about cleansing the inward man. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has gone into heaven. And is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers. Having been made subject to him. Just as Noah and his family were saved by water. So we are saved by water in obedience to the gospel. Baptism is defined here as the answer of a good conscience toward God. The water is given power to cleanse the heart that is honest, that is truly penitent, that is set on obedience to the gospel. The power of baptism comes through the cleansing blood of Christ. Had Jesus not died on the cross for our sins, baptism would mean nothing. But because He died on that cross, we can have our sins taken from us. We can be forgiven, but only through our obedience to the plan of salvation. And so as we look at all the things that we have discussed in the last few weeks in regard to faith, faith is very important to salvation. Without faith, again, it is impossible for us to please Him. And so we see faith as an important factor in our salvation, but it is not the only factor. Repentance also is important. It's important that we change our lives, we change our direction, that we, we change who we once were and we start walking toward God.
we change from a life of sin to a life of serving Christ. Confession is an important part of our salvation as well. It's important that we not only believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but that we confess that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But even all of these things without baptism really mean very little. It's important that we complete our salvation by obedience to what God wants us to do. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And so tonight, if you're not a Christian, if you've not obeyed the gospel, if you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, then we give you that opportunity to respond to the Lord's invitation. If you have been baptized, maybe you've not remained faithful. It is possible to go back into sin, to be entangled in it once again, and if that's where you find yourself, if you're not faithful, if you need to come back, if you need to rededicate your life, if you need to repurpose it for Christ, if you need to ask for prayer on your behalf or ask for forgiveness for something that you've done, if you're in need of responding to the Lord's invitation, don't put it off until it's too late. This may be your last opportunity. And if it is, if you face Christ tonight, are you ready? If you're not ready, if there's some way that we can assist you, we'd be glad to do that. If it is your need, we offer you the Lord's invitation. If you're in need of responding, please do so. As together we stand, as we sing.